Mark is muted. Welcome to episode 42. Is it? Here I am. There you are. Episode 42. Of Moped Outlaws. Holy Christ. I want today off. I don't want to do this or anything else. I want to play games, sit out in the sun, relax. Well, then. Let's do it. I know, right? Web 3.0. <laughs> Greg 3.0. Greg 3.0. He's got enough passive income now that he doesn't have to do anything but hang uh, out with gun, play games. You could start a Twitch channel and see if anyone will tune in. I've attempted that. You know, there's one guy that I like to watch on YouTube who's a gamer in streams, and he's a multimillionaire from gaming. His streams, though, like when I see him that he's streaming, I jump in and it goes, you know, live stream started three and a half hours ago, four hours ago. And like, fuck, man. What would be worse than spending your whole day playing video games and talking to people and right nothing would be worse that would be the worst (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so funny how we go from like what we think we want to when we realize what it's really like to have it well i think when we love what we do like even though i opened up with griping I love this. If this was our income, I'd be in hog heaven, which shows my age, because nobody but old people says hog heaven. You'd be surprised. Oh, my kids are not going around going hog. You know what the new thing is? Like when something's good, you're like, okay, perfect. Okay. It's bet. Bet. Have you heard that? It's bed? B-E-D or? B-E-T. Bet. It's a bet. No, Bet. Like Greg, okay. say, hey, Greg, no, so I'll well, meet you at the movie theater tonight? Bet. Exactly. Be excellent to, no. It's not even an acronym, is it? No, it's just the thing, bet. Well, we every generation needs to make up shit no one else can understand so that they feel special. Bet. Bet. So now Joe and I, that's our thing, bet, bet. I said it twice just to show I'm still old. Bet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And now we're into my love life. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I hope not too far in. Ah, (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) All right. Bad joke time. Ready? Are we going to get slacked for this? Two letter words for small. Two letter words for small? Three two letter words for small. Is it in? Yes. I think you've said that joke on this uh, 
podcast before. And I'm going to keep saying it until somebody laughs. <laughs> okay, we can drop that joke now. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, one of the things that we were going to talk about is the slap herd around the world one week later. Yeah, we were thinking like no one would be talking about it anymore. But um, I mean, it's Friday right now where we're having the conversation. So it's going to be Monday when people are listening to it. And I still think they're going to be talking about it. It was talked about way more this week than even I thought it would be. Yeah, it's, it, it has died off a bit today, finally. Yeah. Today is the first day that it hasn't been breaking news. Yeah, because the Ukrainians blew up a Russian oil depot, so that was more important. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is going to continue to be uh, an issue for a while. They're, you know, the Academy finally said they're considering disciplinary action. Um, Chris Rock finally spoke about how he's going to do, you know, some kind of He's going to say something about it later, but for now, he just wants to do his his now much more successful tour. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, one of the things that came up in the circles that I traveled in yeah. is the idea that there are certain people that have that it was a, a, a person of color issue, a BIPOC issue. And that, that to a large degree, white people should keep silent on it for a while and let, let that like people talk about it that were of color because of the prominence of that and violence in black men and how black men are portrayed and all of that. And so one of the things I noticed, I was happy not to talk about it on social media this week. Like two, three days went by. I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. I didn't take a side. I made a couple comments on other people's posts that were pretty low key. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to pl play the clips that were the emotionally resonant clips for me. So like when Questlove got his award for um, the concert film that he directed. And when the gentleman who won Summer the of soul, uh, let's call out the film. Summer yeah, of soul. I, I would, if I could use my brain, well, summer of soul, <laughs> summer of soul, the revolution will not be televised. I think was the sub was it? subheading of that anyway. And then the gentleman who wants best supporting actor who uh, was, is deaf. I thought his speech was emotional. What I could understand of it. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get bitch slapped for that for sure <laughs> that was a nice callback actually we also probably shouldn't use the the term bitch slapped much anymore yeah there's a lot of things we shouldn't do all right who are the shouldn'ts who are the you know patrollers are they getting paid i want to be, get paid for policing Exactly. People's thoughts and dreams. It's so interesting. It's like, I was just thinking about that this morning, about how the best teams I've been a part of is when everyone's clear that their way is a way, not the way. Yeah, because there's a lot more room for innovation. Yeah. You get a and lot more, yeah. And chaos. Yeah, a lot more... Yeah, that's who's it. in charge of this bus. <laughs> Jesus. 
Well, I heard uh, Professor Cornell speak on a news show, and I thought he was the most eloquent and wise words I'd heard about the whole thing. And he said he knows all three of them, Jada, Will, and Chris. They're all exemplary people. It was a bad thing. Like exemplary people make mistakes, and that's what we witnessed on a very internationally broadcast stage. It was a poor joke. It was a mistake for Will to do what he did. And end of story. Yep. And I think by the time you're listening to this on a podcast on Monday, you probably will have forgotten all about it. It'll have been You'll be like, days. please shut up. <laughs> the slap heard around the world can please stop now. Yes. Yeah. One of the good things about it was I found out that um, Will Smith is the mayor of Hollywood, apparently. I heard someone <laughs> use that term with about him. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. I suppose. Yeah, he and, he and Putin have a lot in common. You know what's <laughs> interesting? I was hanging out with some friends Saturday. Wait, I'm not going to let that go. How does he have anything in common with Putin? Well, he's if he's the mayor, he's in a place of leadership and power, right? Yeah. And they both have that gangster way. <laughs> Got it. All right. So we were with some friends. Yeah. And um, we were hanging out and they like kind of the depth of the conversation started where they said, like, is there any real difference between Stevie Wonder and the Rolling Stones? I was like, mm, not really. And they said, well, Stevie Wonder, you know, Rolling Stones are selling out stadiums. Stevie Wonder couldn't sell out a stadium. And first of all, I disagreed with that premise, but they were kind of adamant that that was real. And they said, black people don't support their artists the way white people support their artists. That's just a reality. And I was like, why do you think that is, Greg? Do you think there might be some structural economics there that make that a little bit more difficult? Not according to them. There were, and, you know, they even brought up how um, black people taught white, this is what they, I'm just repeating a conversation. So they said that white people learned how to be slave masters from black people. Like they taught them how the psychology of it all, because all these people getting off the boat, they would have been overwhelmed. And um, and then they were also talking about how in Africa, it was all these black people brought these people to the Ghana coast for the Spanish conquistadors to boat up and haul across the water. But let's go back to the entertainment thing. They They were saying... I don't think having a conversation about some mythical person that you talk to about some really controversial subjects is how I want to spend my time. Like if they were here, we could have the conversation, but me talking to you about what they said, it's well, no, here was my point for bringing it up because that I had the conversation on Saturday about Stevie wonder, Rolling Stones, black people don't support their artists the same way that white people support their artists. And um, and I brought up Prince, and they said, well, Prince was cross 
culture. He, he, like everyone showed up to his shows. Cause so then one of the things I heard brought up was would that have happened if that was Ricky Gervais in those shoes? If that was a white person telling that joke, would that have happened? And I wondered if there was an element of will feeling it was okay to do what he did because Chris is black. There's there's a lot to unpack in everything you just said. (laughs) I know it. Uh, I think it's nonsense. Most of it myself. Um, I prefer to have that discussion with the person who said it in another nuanced way. Uh, I don't think thought goes with what Chris, with what Will Smith did. That's one of the key things. I think that there was a level of which his prefrontal cortex had gone offline. So thinking wasn't a big part of what was happening. Right. Yes. And I do. I've heard that. And I think that speaks to something's going on in that man's life. That is a lot of pressure, a lot. Now, there's a lot going on inside for something to offline. So succinctly. What, what I will say is that the moment it happened, I was watching it on television and I stood up out of my chair like I was watching a football game and went, yeah. And I, I'm comfortable talking about my reaction more than I am about trying to, to sort of like second guess what Will Smith was up to. And my girlfriend looked at me like, really? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, he deserved it. And then the very next day I was like, Oh, I don't really want to be that guy on, on social media and have to like argue with everyone about that. But you know, this is our podcast. Truth be told. I was like, it was like a, freaking football game and i was like yes smack that boy right hmm so that is interesting in context of because i've heard a lot of people say that was an assault we witnessed an assault and will should have been treated as someone who assaulted someone well he was the cops asked the Asked the victim if they wanted to press charges, and I mean that's yeah, what but, came out uh, yesterday. But yeah, you know what? We can have a lot more compassion for each other than just like trying to pigeonhole behaviors into you know one box or another box. Like I think it was, I, you know, honestly, I feel sad that it happened because of the impact to all the other the winners that night, and I think that's really the clear thing about this is it overshadows so much of the beauty and grace and work of the other artists that were there that night, because we're not talking about, you know, all of the different elements of that. And it's supposed to be a moment to savor how hard work filmmaking is and the incredible achievements that go with being the best in that medium you know, it's, you've done film production, you know, exactly how hard that work is. And the idea that an actor can, 
after all of the gaffing and all of the lighting and all of the staging and all of the stuff is all set up around you and you have this thing on the other side of the camera that's basically a, a giant robot monster teeming with all kinds of distractions. And then you pull out of the ethers this emotionally resonant physical and verbal performance that is in alignment with where you happen to be in the script, regardless of the fact that you have aren't actually going linearly from point A to point B as you do the performance. You're like kind of like, well, I got to do these three lines from this angle because that's the camera setup. And and to me, that's when you when we talk about actors, <clears throat> the recognition of what that skill is and the, and what it means to be that emotional is amazing. Yeah, I think of the hard work of the um hey, someone's watching. Um <laughs> one day we won't be so surprised yeah, exactly watching comment so now that, leave now a that comment um, it out, who are they where are they watching from facebook or, or youtube um i wonder if i can see from facebook um to my hat like when i when i think of filmmaking like everyone's working hard and the people i think about the most are the pas and the gaffers because when everyone's put in a hard day's work and they're done, they're the last to leave. They're wrapping up the cords, packing the boxes. They're also the first ones getting there. You know, it's like I was listening to, uh, uh, cause I've um, been going through a bunch of Foo Fighter stuff recently, as many people have. Yeah. And, um, Dave Grohl's book that he just wrote is available on YouTube probably illegally, but he's reading it. Anyway, he's talking about the road crew, you know, and how when the show's over and everyone's, you know, going home, they're the ones breaking down the stage, boxing it all up, getting it on the trucks, getting just enough sleep to unpack and build it all up in some other city. Fucking hardcore. It's hard to read that, but this is my Ayatsi I was with IATSE for two years as a green card, which is a temporary worker. You can see the logo there. I got punched out for all the studies I did. I had three more, four more things to do. Working like that is exactly as you described it. First in, last out. The unsung heroes of productions, you know, concerts, films, stage, even comedy. Yeah. Someone's got to put those lights and those curtains back there and run the wires. And, you know, speaking yeah. of which, before all this went down at the Oscars, I was really disappointed with the production, the actual like reality of the audio feed. It it seemed like they had gone down a way down a notch in terms of the production values of of the sound quality. Um, I thought that was really, really poorly done. Well, here's, I have a question. I wonder, because where we went to where Robin was house sitting and she had it DVR'd, you know, and so, but we were watching it in the moment. Anyway, the short story is the sound was out of sync and then it started pixelating, but I think it was the setup of the TV. Because uh, we tried restarting it, and then we couldn't even get back to 
the broadcasts at all. Yeah, streaming. That sounds like a streaming thing, but I'm talking about the actual like way it was done in the room. So you don't think it was on your end or a no, cable no, no. situation no, no. in the this I'm area? talking EQ. I'm talking you know too much ambient sound in the mics. Like there were all, all kinds of issues hmm. with the way it sounded to me. Well, I, I saw the YouTube thing of the memorial, you know, to all the people who had passed. Yeah. And that seemed on point. Well, that was pre-recorded. No, it wasn't. that was done in a studio. No, it wasn't. It was live with the gospel singers. Oh, well, yeah, that sounded good. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'm picking nits probably. Wow. I'm slagging on those guys. Yeah, because now you just said, well, that sounded good. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I think you had one moment where the EQ was out and you're like, oh, this whole fucking show sucks. It, it was more than that. But yeah, I'm being a little petty. I'll just cop to being petty. Okay. Boy, you're copping to cheering Will on. You're copping to being petty with the the technical aspects of the production. You're really outing yourself quite a bit here. I'm the, it's the brave new Mark. All right. <laughs> or foolish, depending on how you want to look at it. The fool. You kind of have to get yeah. on. You kind of have to be foolish if you're going to get on a moped and ride with you. Get on your bike and ride. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope it all becomes ancient history soon. And obviously everyone will get what's coming to them in terms of discipline and the proper and if we can all just find something better to do than argue on social media i'd be a much happier person and it's okay with me if facebook and instagram lose money as a result i'm like it's all right you know it just occurred to me like talking shit is fun i i have a fun time talking shit it's why i like the um roasts yeah. And I think there's an element of like someone on stage, you know, saying, um, <clears throat> what's the Brandon cheer they do? Dun, dun, Brandon. Yeah. I don't know anything about this. You, I'm ignorant yeah. of that concept. Right, so yeah. apparently all the Trump supporters, like the way they say, fuck you, Biden is something Brandon comes from some newscast where all these people were saying, fuck you, Biden, in the news reporter. You could hear it. And the news reporter played it off. I think they're saying, I forget what. Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah. I don't waste my time worrying about what Trump supporters think anymore. You will in a year. I know. We've had this discussion. Yes, we have. This and is a good time for again. me to talk about the coffee roastery in Fairfax, where I got this thing that keeps me from getting cups. Excellent, you know, excellent. Fairfax Coffee, coffee Roastery. They're, they are an amazing team there. They roast their own beans. They serve really great pastries, which I can't really eat anymore. <laughs> and they, they serve amazing coffee, and I love the town of Fairfax. So that was just my unprompted, unpaid plug for and look, there's They're black and white coffee. getting along very nicely, predominantly white. America, America. <laughs> All right. So Greg and I have, uh, well, Greg, mostly I've been watching Greg launch NFTs from the Moped Outlaws. We've got the artwork on OpenSea. 
Yes, yes, we do. It's a collector. We have a collection. Yeah. What? OpenSea.io, I believe. Is it? Yeah. It is. Yes, it is. OpenSea.io. Which, in case you don't know, is one of the main areas you can buy NFTs. Now, that there is a lot going on, and I'm sure 90% of you know what NFTs are, and of those 90%, maybe 10% of you have like launched your own or whatever, <laughs> or bought, bought any. Um, but we're, you know, Greg, bless him, creates custom art every week for the promotional aspects of the show, as well as for um, the places that it resides on mopedoutlaws.com and et cetera. And so we were like, well, once it's created, why should we just let it sit here? Let's see, you know? Um, and so we've been experimenting with NFTs. I'm personally really into them because I like the, there's this aspect of them that is called the smart contract. So you can put like conditions on how they're sell- sold and, and, and di- have, you know, coins get distributed a certain way when, when it's sold down the line, when it's set, sold a second time or a third time. And so we could say that a condition of this NFT being sold is that 10% of the sale will go to the Compton Cowboys. Well, you'd have to a Compton Cowboys would have to, well, to automate it, they'd have to have a wallet and you'd have to know what that wallet number is. And then you'd have to put it in the smart contract. Okay. Hmm. No. Now, I don't know if Compton Cowboys has that. Right. Um, and since they don't answer our calls, we, it's a little bit hard to ask the, to ask them the question, but yeah. we're going to persist in supporting them uh, uh, as much as we can over the years. And yes. um, yeah, I we had a live stream the other day of these kids learning how to groom a horse and take care of a horse. It was super cool. You know, and when Beyonce did her um, performance yeah, at the beginning Compton. of the Oscars, they were yeah. in Compton. Yeah. And she was riding down the street on that horse. And I thought, oh, I'll bet the Compton Cowboys are involved. I thought the same thing. I thought, what a missed opportunity to not have. But boy, did they have a fortress they performed in. Yeah. Big green wall fortress. Yes. And yes. I also thought with all that green, like I thought for sure they were going to do something with that. And no, uh, that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was uh, it was colorful. It was green. in a monochromatic way. It was very green. Yeah. You could you could take that into a green screen situation and dial all sorts of color. For I thought that was going to happen for sure, and I haven't seen anyone do that. Well, there's still time. Yes, there is. And anyway, so we've do. started our journey with NFTs, which stands for non-fungible token, tokens. You know which, what? Yeah. Non-fungible. Like, that was a really good learning thing. I didn't realize that that was a real... Like that wasn't a new term. That term is part of economics. Yeah. Can you explain that a little better? I think you could do it better than I can. I think you'd be surprised. All right. So a fungible, uh, a fungible item in an exchange of commerce or value is something where, um, let's say I'm selling gasoline. And so you give me 500 gallons of gasoline. You come back a month later and you want to buy 100 gallons. Well, it's no longer the same 500 gallons of gasoline you gave me. 
but it's a hundred gallons of gasoline. That's a fungible item. It can be interchanged. It's not the exact item. Now, if you came and you said, this is the very first gallon of gasoline that was ever processed on the planet. Now, there's a specific value to that being the exact gallon of gas. That's a non-fungible item. I can't just give you a random gallon of gas. Got it. Yeah, I think that was a pretty good job. All right. Yeah. And dollars. Not dollars are dollars are fungible. Yeah. So you give me a five dollar bill. I'm probably not gonna get that actual series exactly. back yeah, from a, you yeah. a week later. Yeah. When yeah. you give me the ten dollars back. Yeah. Yeah. And so an NFT is an item on the blockchain where it is um, specific and unique. Right, right. And it's, and it's, yeah, and recorded on the blockchain, which is the world's computers that are involved all chained together saying, yep, that's the item. Yep, that item's now passed to this person. And yeah, it's recording exchanges. Hey, speaking of, did you hear that last week six hundred and fifty million dollars of Bitcoin was stolen? Yeah, actually, I thought it was Ethereum. Well, it was Ethereum and one other. Some of it was Ethereum. Most yeah. of it was a uh, different. It was hijacked from okay, what's wait, called you a just bridge. Brought up a good point though, because for me as a layperson, I use Bitcoin as a like Google that you may not use Google. That's how I use Bitcoin. But you're saying that's kind of a mistake, Greg. Well, right. There's different types of cryptocurrency. The the used to be that there was like three main ones, right? Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. But now, you know, three years later, it's like there's literally millions oh, of West. different kinds yeah. of coins, some of which are better than others. But the, my understanding of the theft you're talking Wait, about is there the, literally millions of different Yes. Literally. I'm pretty sure. You're not a 14-year-old girl running around using literally in a very broad sense. Actually, I am. (laughs) Can't you tell? That's what I'm afraid of. (laughs) Literally, there are millions of digital coin. (laughs) No, literally, I will die if... (laughs) All right, now now I have to Google it. All right. Fact check, our producer. What's our producer's name again? Art. Art is asking us to fact check our statements now. Art is very sad. He weeps as he holds his pistol. Oh, oh, I am so wrong. Ah, There's 20 million. According to Google, (laughs) that there are over 18,000 cryptocurrencies as of March 2022. All right. Not millions, like I said. Just call me a 14-year-old. But over 18,000. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) All right. Okay, so now we're back in the ballpark here. So continue on. Yeah, so... The way those all get justified and rectified is 
not through a bank, right? It's done by the blockchain, which runs on these giant networks. And so a coin like Bitcoin has a network where all the transactions are recorded, and then those are codified into blocks and put in a chain. So a block will have all of the information regarding that particular transaction, and it gets pop propagated across the whole network so that it's verifiable in a public way. And there's no giant overlords. And it's transparent. Who- Right. It's totally transparent. If you know what you're doing, you can look up a transaction. You could look up someone's um, wallet address and see all the transactions. But here's my question to you. If it's so transparent, because as of, well, when I read the article, they didn't know where that 650 million was. It, it had gotten- I'm not claiming to be a crypto security expert, but my understanding of the theft you're talking about was it was actually a bridge yes. um, so application. And what that means, it was a way for people to invest on one side and control assets on another. And there was this way that those two things were linked. Mm-hmm. And it was the point of linkage w- where the weak spot was. Right. Because that point was you were able to access the data and change the data. And so someone went in there and changed where that money went. And so now there's forensic experts who are figuring out exactly how that worked. And apparently there's a way because, you know, there've been a couple of crimes like these where they found out what the wallet address was, but I don't think the wallet address is necessarily linked to a person if they do it right. But it gets to be tricky. Like, let's say you got the 300 million in Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever it was into your wallet. You've stolen this massive amount of, of, of coin. So now you have this thing that's on the blockchain that says, okay, it went over here. And that thing might not be attached to the internet anymore. Like, I have a cold wallet. Now we're getting deep. If you don't know these things, you're lost. What's anyway, a cold wallet? <laughs> a deep cold freeze. wallet is, not, is a thing that's not on the internet. So it's stored in a place where no one can actually access the data physically. There's so no that's wires. like the guy who lost his hard drive in the trash and he's digging around trying to get his 600 million back. Yes. You're going to show us your cold wallet. I am. Wow. That's kind of dangerous. Don't you think? <laughs> no one can get to it. It's right well, here. That looks pretty easy to get to. We just bust through that door, reach in that top drawer that you just showed us. and That's your cold wallet. Right. All right. So the advantage of having that is what? Um, no one can hack into my network and steal what's on this cold wallet. They'd have to steal the cold wallet. And even if they stole the cold wallet, they wouldn't have the security codes that would have them be able to access the cryptocurrencies on it. The ones you just taped on the back of that drive? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> um, and just to be so clear, I don't do own any current I don't have any crypto anymore. I, that wallet has nothing in it. But every time you do a transaction, you have to plug that in? Yes. So there's a moment when the cold wallet becomes part Hot. of the network. Hot. Yes. <laughs> So and fuego, and fuego, correct. <laughs> you know the price tag still on the bottom of that. 
Well, the remnants of the price tag. Okay. The remnants. I peeled it off. I love that word. That is a great word. The remnants. Remnants. Yes. The, the remnants, remnants of, of my vocabulary. Still on the air. <laughs> <laughs> 35 minutes in, and we're already talking deep crypto, and people are cold wallet, hot wallet. Jesus, get me a waffle. Exactly. Let's go back to bitch slapping. <laughs> um, so NFTs are out there for Moped Outlaws. We are trying to find ways to both bolster our our retirement and our creative power, i.e. our capacity to fund things, including the Compton Cowboys, who are our lifelong um, chosen recipients of yep. um, whatever philanthropy we're capable of, which up to this point has been none. So you guys borrowed money from them. (laughs) We're also going to post a link later to our uh, swag store where you can buy all kinds of moped outlaws. All of that is available on our, if you go to our website, mopedoutlaws.com, there's a link to our NFTs. There's a link to Compton Cowboys. There's a link to our swag. It's all there. And maybe one day we'll offer Cups, the coffee, things like this on our. We're going to sell coffee roastery swag. Yeah, at some point. (laughs) Anyway, one of the really interesting things about cryptocurrency to kind of wrap it all up is that it's those networks with the Bitcoin network, the Ethereum network. There's an aspect of them that's universal and and it's not centralized, but it's fixed. Right. The next layer is something called distributed network. And those are places where instead of it being on a central server and it goes out from the central server to all the people that ask for it, say like Google, it's distributed across all the computers in the network and no particular computer is the one. And the thing about distributed networks is you can't really take them offline very effectively because you can take one down or you can take a dozen down, but the rest of the data is still scattered about there on thousands of other machines. And so Web 3.0 is part of a distributed network. It's not centralized data control, which for people that are concerned about Internet censorship and different things like that, it's another layer of us getting away from the man, getting away from central control. So when people talk about Web 3.0, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about decentralized uh, information storage in such a way that whatever gets put up there is available for free. And, and cryptocurrency is kind of the same thing. We're trying to get out of the system where the, the few control the many. But here's what I'm wondering. Let's say we have... $200 of Ethereum in our wallet. Uh-huh. You can't go to Whole Foods and buy groceries with that. Uh, well, you can. How? You would just have a card that's linked to the wallet. So you can get like a debit card linked to your Ethereum. Yep. Okay. If you want to operate that way, you're basically at that point. You're right, I'm back bank. on board. Buy our NFTs. Yeah. Jump Please. jump on board. Please right now, buy they're, our they're, we're not there's no even base pricing. You can just make an offer. Yeah. And, and we will try to figure Ethereum. out how to accept that offer. You gotta get some. We Ethereum. got an offer. Well, another one or the one that no, we missed? The one the, the original offer. And we just couldn't figure out how to accept it in time. 
Yeah. Well, we're on a learning journey. And uh, if you, you know, want to support us, go to um, OpenSea.io and look up MopedOutlaws. Or you can go to MopedOutlaws.com and send us email about what losers we are and all the mistakes we made in explaining Ethereum and and Bitcoin today. Um, (laughs) And you can buy our swag, which will help us finally get enough money together to buy some Ethereum so we can actually mint these things so they're not just groceries. Groceries? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize we were at that level. Like I, I, I personally, I have groceries. I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm feeling like I have enough groceries. And as you can see, I might have too much groceries, but. <laughs> well, how are you doing with that? Wow, man. Flour and sugar and salt. Those seem to be the things I have to get rid of. And I'm so doing. you haven't good. done that yet. I've been trying. I've gone yeah. way down. You way know, down. you know what they say about trying. All it does is patience. That's the only thing you can really try. Well, okay. And right now, you're trying mine, okay? Get on the hobby horse and kick that sugar, flour, and salt off the shelf. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I've been pretending that if it's gluten-free, it's still okay. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> I ate a whole loaf of gluten-free bread, and I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would. That's like people who get a big ass cup of diet soda. <laughs> you know? Right. As if that isn't bad enough. But yeah. Yeah. And if you stick with Moped Outlaws over the coming year, you may or may not see a change in my physiology. Let's hope you do. I'm working on it. Yeah. I know that I'll be funnier the lighter I am. Really? Yeah. Are you saying fat people aren't funny? No, I'm saying I'm Mike funny. calling you fat. Let's get ugly. I can't help it. I was born that way. <laughs> so was What's uh, your excuse? <laughs> um, I don't have an excuse. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, are you still doing the um, the pool? Yep. It's warmer how many, now, though. How many minutes? Oh, it's easy now in the afternoon. I can swim around. It's it's not winter anymore. Oh, really? But the pool's still freezing cold. It's still it's cold. It's actually cold today. Yeah. Um, it's going to be 74 in my neighborhood, so oh, okay. it's not exactly cold. But the pool's cold. The thing I'm I'm heading towards is my 7.30 Wim Hof into the pool, which at 7.30 a.m. Wim Hof 3.0? I don't know what iteration of Wim Hof. I don't know what Wim Hof is. It sounds like a clothing. Oh, well, there's a uh, Wim Hof is a breathing style that is um, used in conjunction with ice baths that helps alkaline your body. And you can get that on the the level of carbon and nitrogen in your bloodstream. And it changes the the internal composition and pH of your, of your body. It's it's, uh, about a 30 minute breath exercise. Wow. 20 minutes. And you've and been doing that consistently every morning? Five days a week. And every I just day. got the link to the YouTube thing that the guy uses so that I could do it on Saturdays and Sundays when we don't meet. So that's coming. Christmas is coming. The goose <laughs> is getting fat. <laughs> yeah, it is coming. It's, it's only nine months away. So 
Better hey, save your pennies. Are you going to the celebration of life tomorrow? I am. I am. All right. I'm excited about that. Um, sad to see our friend Tim go, but uh, it'll are be great to see all the people I haven't seen since quarantine and long before quarantine. And is uh, Kathy accompanying you? No. It's not a Kathy event. No. My ex-wife will be there. <laughs> I had to bite my tongue. <laughs> Why start now? Exactly. <laughs> she, she actually wants you to bite her tongue. That can happen. Okay. <laughs> I'll introduce you guys tomorrow. Maybe you guys can uh, well, get we've a little met. closer. We've met. I think that'd be awkward. I don't know. I love both of you. I think since she's single and you're single, you should, you know, maybe should explore that idea. You're uh, a good man. She could use a good man right now. She had a good man. Yeah, but don't hold that against her. <laughs> oh. Yeah, let it go, man. Let it go. It's just jokes. It's just funny. Yep. Yeah, I know. We're going to get there and somebody's going to slap somebody tomorrow. I hope so. Okay. Everybody needs a good slap on that ass. That's the thing about social distancing. You're far enough away. No one can slap you. <laughs> yeah, that's out the window. <laughs> <laughs> COVID's behind us. So now we're just beating the fuck out of each other. Not anymore. You know, China would, is locking down. I thought they already locked down and we're back up. No, no. On Bloomberg yesterday, they said that that they were just getting another city locked down that was like 14 million people or something like that. Well, you know, I heard that when they first locked down way back, everyone had to stay in their house, could not go out 76 days. Well, that's one way to lose weight. Yeah. Well, maybe. Depends what you've got in the larder. <laughs> There's another old term, old man term. The, the larder. larder. <laughs> High on the hog in the larder with a big bag of sugar. Yeehaw! Yeah. You could eat sugar and flour back then because you only ate it like after doing serious hard work for 12 Waking eight, up 12 four hours. in the morning out there with a plow. Yeah. Milking the cow. Right. Not sitting in front Fucking of a computer screen doing podcasts yeah, exactly. in an office. When's the last time you had ice cream? I think Kathy and I went and had frozen yogurt in January. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Which is, it qualifies. It's a lot of sugar. And yogurt's dairy for all intents and purposes. Yeah, so we've covered all the subjects, you know, Web 3.8, distributed networks, and then, you know, distributed exchanges that aren't controlled by the man. So, you know, there's a whole brave new world of, of currencies out there um, that can help us change the world. I heard this week that the ruble, the, the Russian currency, linked itself to the gold price. 
It's the only world's currency now that's tied to the to gold. So you can take your rubles and turn them in Into for gold. gold at any time. Really? You have rubles. Yep. I heard that um, a lot of people in Russia were moving to uh, digital commerce because of the war. And like the whole thing going on with them feeling like their fortunes were going to be taken away. One thing we didn't touch upon is one of the, like what I hear a lot of people excited about, and it excites me because the commerce, yeah, I'd love to have money. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But the technology of a blockchain where you really are fully transparent in media, you know, where you can trace, uh, uh, story that's online, where that story originated. You can have, like, you could hire me to do a website and it all happens on the blockchain. So having these gatekeepers and middle people, like I heard a person, a journalist who went to Ukraine and was there for a month and came back and then was here in the media here in the United States and he said it's so off target of what's really going on over there. So in one way, with Twitter and other social media, we have some firsthand experience with what's going on there. But I think the Web 3.0 will even move us more into that realm. Well, the thing is, you could actually use the computer and the network you have right now to find those sources. Yes. But the amount of effort that it takes is a kind of a barrier to entry because we live in this, you know, instant gratification society. We want to put a search string into Google and click the very next thing and find what we want, right? The thing yeah. is, those searches aren't what they used to be, as you and I well know. I mean, Greg and I have been using Google since it started, since it was Alta Vista. Since it was don't be evil. Right. And now it's just get what is the mission? Get as rich as possible and oh, help the oligarchs control the information. <laughs> oh, that would be a great mission statement for a company. Own everything. Yeah. Yeah. At least they're honest. You know what you're in for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, so back to the ruble. No other currency in the world is linked to gold. And since it went down at the beginning of the war. The ruble has come back and it's worth $83 U S dollars. So it was down 60%, but since it linked itself to gold, it's come all the way back. So the impacts on their currency that were part of the, all the sanctions and stuff, they, they offset by simply tying the value of rubles to gold so that if you want, anytime you want, you can go to um, a place in Russia and, well, yeah, what place, Mark? Where yeah. would you go? Who's going to give you gold for rubles? Gold to go. I don't know anyone. I don't gold have any rubles. Call. If I went to my, like, there's a gold shop here in town. I wonder if I took rubles in there, what he would give me. How would I get rubles? I don't think it's even legal to have rubles in the United States. Oh, and they're not traded on crypto networks. That's ridiculous. You know, um, a friend of ours got conned. So I want to put this out there because if you're in the Bay Area, apparently there is a guy who's been doing this con for a few years. He's dressed very well. 
He's usually in a very nice car. In this instance, he was in a black Mercedes. His wife, I say that in air quotes, was in the passenger seat. He's very frantic on the side of the freeway, lost his wallet, lost his passport. He's from Saudi Arabia. He just needs to get up to his family in Washington, and then they can help him, you know, and he'll get back home. Can you just loan him some money, you know, $500? And he gives you all this jewelry that you take it in and it turns out to be garbage. So, and I went to, there's a gold exchange guy in Tam Junction here in Mill Valley. And I went in with a couple reins because I was helping our friend. Um, they didn't have time to deal with this. And there was also a Rolex watch. And my thought was, well, first let me start with the reins. And if these prove to be anything, then there's a good chance maybe the Rolex is real. But he looked at it. He's like, ah, and he's shaking his head. But he went through the process of doing an acid test, a scratch test. You know, his first test was a magnet. Anyway, he's going, mm, mm, shaking his head. I said, well, I'm doing this for a friend. You know, they helped out this person. And before I even finished the sentence, he went, guy on the side of the freeway with his family in trouble. And he's all, were the kids in the car? I was like, well, his wife, he's all, oh, oftentimes he has kids. So, so yeah, like. You actually encountered this guy physically yourself. Not me. My friend did. And I'm helping my friend. But my point is the guy in the shop who his livelihood is exchanging gold. And And he sees this thing happening all the time. Right. And he said, this has been going on for years, the scam. And, um, And part of what it brings to light is in hindsight or like away from a situation, it's real easy to say, oh, I would never get scammed or that's obviously a scam. But in the moment, this person we know was, you know, on their way to work. They're kind of in a rush. They see someone who seems to be in trouble. They pull over. There's a lot going on. That's part of like I hear a lot of people coming back to the slap around the world. I've heard a lot of people talk about the Academy, the people in charge of the show. Like, why didn't you? Why didn't you? Like, you're in shock. You You know, like. In hindsight, it's real easy to be, as they say, an armchair, you know, what do they call it? Armchair quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. An armchair bitch who needs to get slapped. Anyway, (laughs) like, so just like everyone kind of be on your toes, just because we want to be kind hearted people, I think, ultimately. And and there's people on this planet who want to take advantage of that for couple bitcoins that's right and there's a there's one there's a a fool born every minute is as they said but see i don't think that yeah they do say that but i just i don't think they're fools i've been scammed before yeah yeah well um can hear the popcorn gallery yelling yeah and you're a fool (laughs) well some of us are fools, and then some of us are fools. <laughs> now you have to go like this. Oh, that's difficult. Wow. Oh, dear. Oh, fuck it. I'm not going to even do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For those of you listening, we're trying to grasp the title of our names. 
on our little video. Image. And of course, it's non-mirrored. So my right is my left in my image. And and boys, this is really us behind the where the, they're showing them the the way the sausage is made here. Okay, no one wanted to see your sausage, Mark. That's right, and I haven't shown them. <laughs> well, good. Okay, <laughs> it's a brat worst. Oh dear. <laughs> it's the worst, and I'm a brat for even talking about it. <laughs> All right, then I'll just uh, go ahead and chalk up another one there. But I got a ha, which is almost a laugh. <laughs> yeah, there's an inverse proportion to how late that is in the show to how funny we are. It's Maybe. okay. We're going to keep going here. Wait till the cocaine kicks in. Yeah, don't wait for that because that is not happening. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the rehab. Have you ever done the like sun rising up over the hills? Well, I actually never went to rehab, and cocaine didn't really agree with me, so I wasn't. So did you I wasn't as addicted as some of my friends who were just like would go and go and go and go. Did you ever do a sun rising? Like you're there doing it, doing it, and you, the sun rises. You glassy-eyed look through the shades like, oh, my God, I did not go to sleep, and I have to be at work in two hours. Yeah, I've done that. I was in my 20s, 40, you know, 38 years ago or something like that, however you want to count it. And, uh, yeah, um, wasn't so bad then. My <laughs> Just body do was another line and go to work. Yeah. <laughs> Just my body was more resilient, um, and I didn't really have to, you know, it, it, you don't, you know, being a dishwasher isn't that hard, right? And at the time, that's what my job was, prep cook dishwasher. Um, but, yeah, I was lucky because when at the time when, you know, we're talking about the 80s here, uh, cocaine was a big part of my milieu. It was basically all around me, and so... I would do it and I would get really sick right away. Hmm. And so I was like, there was no allure for me. Um, Tour, allure, allure. My friends weren't as lucky though. Some of my friends, uh, they were able to tolerate it and they were able to explore the deep, dark depths of that drug. And they went hard. They did. And then they and went. Eventually, they, they quit for a while. Um, f some of them managed to quit forever, which was good. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think I was working in Mill Valley, and there was a very famous musician who was really, really fucked up at the time and was, was literally just completely freebasing cocaine all the time, everywhere he went. And he, you know, he was well known. He was very famous, um, part of Crosby stills Nash. And I loved his music growing up and as a guitar player. And he, you know, he, he lived in the town where I was working at a place called mama's and he came in one day. Oh, I was there that day. Two 30 in the afternoon and I he ordered there. a burger and I was so stoked. 
I was like, oh, my God, I get to cook my hero a burger. So I was in the kitchen and I made that patty just so and I cooked it just so. And the bun was buttered and grilled to perfection, golden brown, the salad and the spuds. Oh, it was just like mm-hmm. I put a sprig of parsley and some watermelon on the plate and I rang the bell and it went out. And it was sitting at the table. He had gone to the bathroom about 10 minutes earlier. Uh, talk, tick tock. And it was, it was still sitting there and it was still sitting there. And I was like, Oh, so I walked into the bathroom and there were these clouds hanging from the ceiling that were like two, three feet deep. I mean, literally I walked in and my heart rate started going faster just from walking in the room. And I, I immediately realized what was happening. And I said, Hey, David, your burger's ready. He's all, thanks, man. And I let him be. And he kind of stumble bumbled out. He took a couple of bites. He paid and he left. <laughs> I was disappointed. <laughs> and I'm glad he didn't die that day. Do you know who I'm trying to remember the guitarist's name? He and Nick Ravenitis did some work together. I thought he was in Big Brother and the Holding Company, but I'm trying to. He was thinking of John Cipollina. John John Cipollina, yes. I was working. Do you remember the Holiday Inn in Tam Junction? Yes. I was working there as a waiter, and John Cipollina came in, and I I had just seen him about eight months before that, or maybe a year before that at a new Year's show in Fairfax at the community center. Yeah. And it was fucking amazing. Like he destroyed. I was like, Holy shit. Yeah, He had a very unique style, very much guitar player. Yeah. No one ever played like him since or before. Right. And, um, and it's a very similar story. Like he was just there staring at a cup of coffee for like three hours. And, um, then I remember he went into the bathroom and he was there for a long, long time. And he died about, it was within a month, like less than a month. He died from o- an OD of heroin. Oh, but I remember that I went into the bathroom and he had left a shirt. Like, um, our friend Sid was super into what are those, you know, rayon like shirts, long sleeve shirt, you know, real cheap, like, um, yeah, like a Hawaiian shirt or something. Yeah. But long sleeve, what are they like? Um, I forget the nylon. I don't know. Anyway, he had left it in the bathroom. And so I, and there was also a bunch of heroin materials in there. But I grabbed the shirt and gave that to Sid, and he was super stoked because he was a huge John Cipollina fan. And yeah, yeah, that's so sad. And that just brings us right around to the beginning. God bless you, Taylor Hawkins. You yeah. kicked butt on the drums. Twenty years, amazing, well loved. So sad to see you go down this way. There was so much more that we all could have enjoyed together. And it just breaks everybody's heart that you're no longer with us. And uh, my heart goes out to everyone uh, in the Foo Fighters family, um, Dave Grohl, especially who, you know, has stuck by Taylor all these years and helped him break addictions and stuck stood with him and could have fired him, could have done all kinds of things. And uh, here we are. 
another one bites the dust. Recording stopped.